Hi everyone, this is Viv, and you're listening to the first episode of If I Did, You Can Too, where I will be collecting all kinds of inspiring stories of the people who made it, and would be presenting them to you, so it will be a source of inspiration for you. Today, the first episode, I have one of the people who pushed me to actually get this podcast started. And do something with the whole idea that I had in mind. So right now, here we are. And since she inspired me a lot and is constantly inspiring me on a daily basis, I want you to get to know her as well. So let's get inspired. Okay, so finally, I mean, not even finally, one more time we have Pravina on the show. So what happened before was we recorded the whole thing, like the whole episode, you guys. Everything was so ready because I wanted for her to be my first guest. And then when I started editing it, it was all good and all. And then all of a sudden in the middle, there were like noises coming in and out. So that whole thing to the trash. We're back to recording it one more time hopefully this one it will not have that issue anymore so hi Pravina why don't you introduce yourself hello again and I'm so sorry hands up in the air I do not touch the mic (laughs) Uh, yes my name is Pravina I'm from South Africa and currently living in Malaysia I'm a traveler Um, yeah and other things (laughs) girl I love this because just I had another interview and uh, when I ask people who they are, they actually introduce themselves to me with their job title, like wherever they're working, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is so bizarre to me because I'm like, if anyone asks me, I am not going to be like, oh yeah, I work at this place as this role. I manage these people. I don't care about that because here is your story. So it is very interesting how... For you, it's like your personality and who you are is not that much tangled with uh, your job. Yeah, well, I, I learned a very hard lesson a couple of years ago um, where I was associating myself a lot with my job and my job title and who I was. And I, I burned out. And my one of my really good friends, Amy, she, we, were, we went for lunch and I was burned out. And she said, um, yeah, well, you know, you're not your job, right? And at that time, I was so tied to that job. I was tied to everything in that company that I was like, what do you mean I'm not my job? Like, if I'm not my job, who am I? (laughs) You know, I had that moment. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm actually not my job. And it took me a a long time to unpack that. And even saying I'm a traveler now during COVID is like, well, where are you going? Provina to a grocery store? (laughs) 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 Yeah, but it's it's interesting. And I think people's... um, journey in life comes to like unpacking like who they are and then realizing that they not actually really any of that again as the cycle of life goes on it's like you're a student i'm not a student anymore i'm working no i'm not working anymore because i'm unemployed and it's like i'm a mother and yeah and then unpacking that when you get later in life and your kids leave and then you're like right i'm not a mother because my kids are not around who am i now i know oh my god so many of my of the mother that i've seen around including mine, they are nobody if the children go away and if the husband is no longer there. Yeah. 
And it's so scary for me because I'm like, yes, I am this free spirited person that I go as I please. I come as I please. I do whatever I want. And then I look at them and I'm like, wow, it's so scary to be that person. But also they didn't want to be that person in the first place either, probably. Yeah, it's it's a it's a journey. It's a journey of identity and then also unraveling that identity isn't really a you or you are nothing it's a more esoteric conversation <laughs> that we can go into um about getting to that space where you you are not any of the things that society says that you are or that you think that you are like we are just all nothingness mm-hmm. so let's see who is this pravina right now yes how it feels like to be pravina right now i'm oh my gosh like I had a big identity crisis like two years ago where I, I didn't know who I was and I didn't feel like myself as well. Um, but right now, I I can very much say I'm a beginner. I'm a beginner with a lot of my projects in life. I'm a beginner with everything. New job at work, um, new project. I'm a beginner getting to know myself at this level. I'm a beginner getting to know myself at the second year of COVID. Like how am I handling the situation? I have now just decided to take health and fitness seriously. So I'm a beginner person. I like not having sugar is a huge thing for me. It's like I was actually on my phone looking at desserts earlier. I was like, what can I eat that doesn't have any sugar in it? And that doesn't have any, any sugar, like any sugar, any chocolate, but I want chocolate. Like, who am I if I cannot eat my favorite things and be happy? Like, you know? So it's, it's about redefining the next level of myself as well because I realized that uh, the way that I've been living my life for the last few years have been great and that is great, but now there's like a new level that I want to get to and it's requiring a new version of me that I now need to relearn how this new person acts, how this new person does things in the world, like how her outlook is now in life you know before i was very much um yeah it's just about i was i want to say i was looking at my goals in life as like this is the one thing i'm going to do and then now seeing like okay it might not be in the form that you get this done and actually these other two paths might actually lead you somewhere there so now it's like oh my gosh if this is not my north star really what am i working on like who am i and how do i act when this is not my thing yeah so I'm a student. That's who I am right now. Okay. When was that pivotal moment? What exactly happened in your life that you were like, you know what, I'm going to change everything? Where, how did that switch happen? I've had that switch many times, actually. Like many times. This is, I've, I always say I've lived about nine lives so far that we have changed completely. It's like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to be living this life. Like I could, when I was, uh, when was it? I think it was like 29, 8 to 20, yeah, 28, 29. And um, I realized that the path I was on, that that version of life, I was living in Chicago, I was working in a country club. They offered me like a amazing seven-year working visa in the States, which everybody wants to be working in the States with a long-term visa. And I just didn't want to be there. I was like, whoa, whoa, I came here to dance salsa. This is not my life. What am I doing? I don't want to do this. And I completely pivoted. And then... Also in Cape Town, when I was had the burnout, I was like, no, this is not my life. This is this is not the way I want to be doing things. Completely perverted my life as well. And the same thing when I was in South Korea here. 
Um, so there's many things that happen. I think the beginning of this year, I realized that 10 years ago, I made a plan to go to Mexico and it didn't happen. Not 10 years, but eight, eight years ago. But I made a plan to go to Mexico and then I got so sidetracked on my life. And this year, it, that spark initiated again of like, I really want to go to Mexico. My plan, I was so psyched for Mexico. And then I just got so sidetracked. And now I'm back kind of on that path. And I made the decision that I want to be fluent in Spanish. So a lot of my focus goes to that. I also need my health and fitness to be way higher. Because if you look at the state of the world right now, the pandemic, um, just everything, it's made me focus on like health and fitness. I want to be dancing salsa when I'm 100. And that has become my focus. I want to be non-location bound, but in a bigger sense. In like, I have the money to start something. I have the money to invest in an NGO. I have the money to help build a project anywhere that I go. And that has put me in a very different space. I want to be helping people and like on a different level compared to what I was doing before. So all of those things this year has made me like, Kind of just change, just like switch the dial a bit to the next level. Like, okay, so this is me eating everything I want all the time, as much as it makes me so happy. It's not giving me what I need for my body to perform at the optimum level, to give me the energy that I need to put into my projects, to then become financially independent later in life. Like, it's not giving me that. It's great. It's making me happy. But I've had many years of happiness from salsa. So I'm like, calm down. The happiness bank is full. Let's actually just like do the things that we don't want to do and get this done first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As so you what, were talking, mm -hmm. go ahead. No, I said, so what happened is I don't know, but there was a shift. <laughs> there was like a wake up, Ravina. Mm -hmm. uh, as you were talking, there were two things that you mentioned. One, so many places that you lived in to dance so these two parts are the inevitable part of your life the main part of your life your story so let's start with all of those cities that you lived in how many cities are there you know you asked me this last week and i still had to count in the same thing this year <laughs> this time so i grew up in port elizabeth which is the tip of africa it's like a really small city in south africa it's beautiful there's a beach it's really quiet and I moved from there to a city called Tainan, which is probably the third, uh, the fourth, fourth city, fourth like biggest city in, in Taiwan. And I lived there for three years. And then from Taiwan, I moved back to South Africa for two and a half years. From South Africa, I moved to Florida in the US. I was there for six months, moved up to, Ch to Chicago for salsa, uh, for a salsa festival. Basically, that was my, my reason to move there. And that was the reason I moved to Florida um was for salsa and then chicago for six months and then there was an opportunity to work in uh, back down in florida but there was only one country club in florida that was very close to a salsa club uh the housing was like right around the corner from this place blue martini and i loved it and i was like i need to go there they have a live band on a thursday i don't know i felt like at that point in my life i could make these decisions where i'm like hey listen salsa this, this obviously you move somewhere for salsa it just makes sense right um, obviously so <laughs> yes <laughs> if you speak to salsa dancers they will understand <laughs> it's like yes of course why would you move anywhere without salsa um 
yeah and then so i was in florida for a bit i went back up to chicago because they asked me to come back and there was a the same salsa festival that i went for the first time was there so i was like oh you'll pay me to be there for salsa festival sure if i can have this weekend off i will work every other weekend like it doesn't matter um so i was in chicago they offered me to stay longer and then i was there and they wanted me to stay like long long term at that country club and um it was an amazing opportunity but South Africa decided to have a salsa festival and I just couldn't miss it. I was like, I am South African. I, we have a salsa festival that I've never been to. This is like the first one. And I just stalked the people that were doing the festival online, kept sending them messages like, hi, is this really happening? If it is, I'm leaving my life in, in the States. I don't care if I can come back here. Like this is, I just want to go back to the salsa festival. And that's what I did. Um, and then I went back to South Africa, which was supposed to be six months. And then so South Africa supposed to be six months i stayed for four years because i got caught up in life and that's beautiful startup an amazing amazing startup um and then i moved to south korea and from south korea over here so that is like one two three four five it's actually not that many but it's moving around quite a bit and for a while i was moving around every six months like packing my entire life up to move somewhere else mm-hmm. and where is here because you said and then here oh here's malaysia <laughs> Sorry, yeah because yes i know where you're living but do they know listening to this they're like it's what kuala lumpur malaysia yeah yeah perfect uh which one of these destinations were your favorite to live in which one felt more like home um home is still home is still taiwan like that is my second home i that feels the most like home outside of south africa like even port elizabeth right now it If every time I go back, I still feel like I'm visiting, uh, which is weird because you grew up there. And even though I, I grew up there and I like my family's there, my friends are there. Whenever I go back, it's just visiting. But I went back to Taiwan and it felt really like home because that was the first place that I lived in outside of my own country. And I lived there for three years. I had my Taiwanese brothers and sisters who are family to me. Um, just being there and seeing like my favorite dumpling man on the corner or like the chicken the chicken guy with the chicken stall is it's just it is a different feeling like it's yeah mhm yes yeah, so and were your parents supportive throughout all of this no cuz it seems <laughs> like you're so free you'll be yeah. like okay I'll, there's a salsa festival here i'll move everything i'll move pack my bag and everything and go to florida why not and then let's go to taiwan and then let's go to korea why not um no they weren't really like now they 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 in a space where they have no choice and this is years of training but they were not i i was a rebel i rebelled against everything like i i rebelled because i wanted to be a dj first and um i was obsessed about dj the way i am about salsa i wanted to be a dj i loved house music i loved scratching i loved turntables my my aim in life was to buy a set of turntables get some vinyls learn to scratch play in clubs like i had a life plan set out for this this whole recording company that i wanted to own and be a ceo by the time i was 30 and my parents first were supportive when they thought it was a joke like my dad would take me to open days for uh, when i was in high school to this um campus that did sound engineering and he would take me to all the opening days and I would go and see I remember I think his name was Rudy and he was a lecturer at Damlin College and he had this keyboard with this light but you could make a sound 
So like you could you could play the keyboard, but actually just make the the bass sound with it. And I was obsessed. And he's like, "Why are you here again? You come to all the open days. We know you're coming after school. You do not need any more information." Um, yeah. So like that was the plan. And then when I finished school, they were like, "Nope, you gotta go to university and get a real degree." real sound engineering being a dj is not real like this is not a thing for an indian daughter to to do and i just rebelled eh? i was well i was rebelling before that because like i wanted to go out and see djs when i was younger and my dad said no and um so it is it was quite a struggle in the beginning but i rebelled to a point where i dropped out of university i was studying not music, not sound engineering. I was studying and then I just got to a point where I wasn't happy about anything. And so I dropped out. I moved out. I went to, um, yeah, I decided to go to Taiwan and then did everything I could in my powers to go to Taiwan. And from that point in time, anything else, even like me going to the States to dance and to make that move for salsa was like, I don't care if I finish my degree. My degree was for me. I paid for my degree this time. Like, seriously. Like, this, I, I studied for the knowledge the second time around when I went back. And I was like, nope, I can do whatever I want now. I put in the time. I got the piece of paper. I'm going to go dance salsa. <laughs> this is my thing. And now it's more of a... I think my parents want... They still want the best for me. They still want me to um, have the amazing corporate job, the life in Cape Town. My mother still want dreams of me getting a car. I don't want a car. I don't like driving. I prefer riding like a scooter, a motorbike, and walking, the bus. Like, Yeah, the life... I think the life she planned for me and the life that I actually love is very different. So it's taken her a long time to get on board. I don't know if she is. Not my problem. This is my life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love how you're like, yeah, I mean, they do not agree. I'm not sure if they're on board or not, but I'm going to live my life. How did you get to this point? Were you even, because I know a lot of us are like this. We're very worried about what our parents think. I honestly remember there was this time of my life that every time I would ask something from my mom or my dad and they'll be like, yeah, do it, whatever. I'll be like, oh, they don't want me to do it. This is not good. I need them to agree with whatever I want. And then so that would stop a lot of things that I wanted to do just because I would stop to please them and make them agree with me and then move on, which a lot of times did not happen. So I forgot about a lot of things. Until I decided, you know what, fuck everything. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Uh, but how did that happen to you? Were you like this from the very beginning? Like, I want to live my life. This is where I want to go. And I want to go there no matter what. I think there was. As I said, I'm, my, my mom always jokes about me being a rebel without a cause. Like, <laughs> I'm very much like, if I see injustice in the world, I will protest. I'm, I'm, I'm that person um for a very long time and when i was younger the i would yeah i would kind of just push back on things that i wasn't even pushing back it's like if you gave me a rational answer and not because i said so i might have listened i might have been more understanding to the thing but the the immediate answer or the immediate response to anything that i i said when i was younger was like this is the way it is because I said so. This is the way it is because of religion. This is the way it is because of the family. This is the, and I was like, mm -mm, this doesn't get, this doesn't work well with me, right? Um, and I now know this is a little bit of who I am, but also in terms of 
like the parents thing, I, I realized very young because I was fighting so hard to be a DJ with against my family. And then at one point I was going to university. I was, I had like, I was working in a restaurant, so I was making my own money, um, trying to please my parents to go to university, trying to still please myself with making money to save up for DJ school to still go try on the weekends to go and see my favorite DJs, to kind of still keep the thing that I really wanted to do alive. And it wasn't working. I wasn't making them happy. They were still upset with me. Like, I was like, no, 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 no. I'm, try I'm trying my best here to please you to be here because you want me to have a degree that I don't even really want. And I got to a point where it was just like, I'm not happy. And you're never going to be happy. I got to that point where it was like, you're never going to be happy with me. Because I saw it in the society that I live in. I saw it in the family. I was like, there's nothing that I will do in life unless I say yes to every single thing that everybody else wants me to do that will make everybody else happy, but it will never make me happy. And once that switch happened, I was like, oh, I'm out. Thank you very much. The only person, my happiness, I was, I was, I had a very low point as well during that time, like really low. Um, like, I, now looking back, I can tell you for sure I was in depression for good, um, a good year or so. I was in like mild depression to very serious depression. Um, and and it was just because I was trying to please other people. And then making that switch of like, nobody's going to be happy. The person that ne needs to be happy is me. And who's going to make me happy? I'm going to make me happy. And having that switch... There was many times where I was reminded that the only person that can make you happy is you. Like, like, and the only, per the only person who should be in charge of your life is you. Like, yes, my parents made me. That was their choice. They got me, right? <laughs> now it's me and my decisions to live my life. Like, pleasing your parents, I think, is, is a journey everybody needs to go through. And also parents need to understand that their choices for their kids might not agree with what the kids want to do, right? And sometimes you, you're you like, oh, this is the best thing for your kid. And you, your kid is growing up in a whole different generation with different things. My sister just sent me this um, trailer of a video of like an Indian girl who wants to be, it's a movie coming out and it's a Disney type movie, but it's this Indian girl who wants to be a DJ. And the first thought I had was like, why now? Why is this movie coming out now? Where was this movie when I was trying to be a DJ? Where I could have, I could have clearly showed my dad, like, look, look, there's other Indian people doing this. I can also do this. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Did you give up on that dream of being a DJ? No, I pushed. I pushed for that dream. I saved up money. I went to DJ school. I learned how to do. Um, we had. Uh, in my city, we had an amazing collection of DJs, um, guys. All of them were guys uh, when I was growing up. And I they had a DJ school. And so I pay, I saved up. I went to, I was working as a waiter and I saved up all my money when I dropped out of uni. Then, and then I paid for like DJ school and I'd go to learn how to scratch and I would go to this space to like practice. And my dream was to go to Taiwan, work there for a year, make enough money to buy these um turntables and then come back to South Africa and practice and be a DJ and all of these things um but yeah so then I got to Taiwan I got caught up in living in Taiwan and figuring out life and being independent and just going out and having fun and um 
there was one night I was at a party in a different city. I was at a party in Kaohsiung and then I was having a conversation with a DJ about music. And he was like, wow, how do you know so much about music? And I was like, well, I like I, I went to DJ school and I really wanted to be a DJ, all of these things. This one bypass conversation happened when we were drunk. And so he had my contact details. Um, and then he sends me a poster of a party for a Valentine's event happening on the 14th that had my name at the bottom. Wow. <laughs> and he's like, and, and in the message that with the poster, he's like, great, you're on at this time to this time. Show up, have your set planned, you're playing. And that was my first time I played. And yeah, so I played. I remember sending that to my dad because it was like a big like, I don't know, like just, yeah, it was a big thing to his face to be like, look, I did it. I, I did this thing that I said I wanted to do. I did it. Um, yeah, so I basically, yeah, I got to it. I did it for a while. I really enjoyed it. But then I got to a space where I didn't enjoy the scene. So I would be working and I had like, a full schedule of work in the week and then on the weekends when I went to DJ I would be in VIP and my friends would be at the bottom dancing and I was like I, I want to be down there dancing like I'm a dancer I want to be dancing with my friends I do not want this like you can come up here your friends can't come up here you get treated differently like I don't have time for this I was young especially I was young and very much in the no this doesn't make sense to me this is not what there's a lot of times I even, um, there's a lot of times like I, I was on a TV show in, in Taiwan and I remember every Saturday I had to get up super early and I had to be on the show and I got to a point where I was like, why am I here? I work in the week. I don't want to do this. On the weekends, I want to be with my friends. I want to chill. I want to relax. Like I want to, like, this is not my life. I don't want to be called around the whole day. I got sick of hearing my name because in school you hear teacher, teacher, teacher. And then on the weekend, it's like, Pravina, come here. Pravina, smile. Pravina, here. Pravina, smile. And I was like, uh, a few weekends of that, I was like, thank you very much. This is not for me. <laughs> I'm going to go mm -hmm. back to my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the dancing thing. So you mm -hmm. were like, I was up there, but my friends were down there dancing. And I was like, I want to dance because I'm a dancer. Where yeah. did that come from? Did you go to dancing school? What? No. I learned how to dance from MTV and the TV and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. <laughs> and Aaliyah. And I just copied everybody on TV. That was my dancing school back in the day. I would move everything in the living room so that I could copy what they were doing on camera. And when I moved to Taiwan, I used to go to this hip-hop club called The Orient every Friday, Saturday, Thursday, basically any day that it was open, I was there dancing and I would be dancing in front next to the DJ booth um, and I became friends with the DJs and yeah, I just go and dance in, right in front next to the DJ booth, looking at the wall in front of me and just enjoy the music and I met a girl who would do the same thing. She would come up, Taiwanese, she would come up every weekend, she'd be like be in front dancing, met her and she also loved dancing. We had similar styles, similar vibe. Um, and then we became really good friends. And then there was another girl who also used to come up on weekends and come dance in front with us. And the three of us just became really good friends, end up forming a dance group. I love them. They are my sisters. Um, that's Mo and Small in Taiwan. And like, I love them so much. Yeah. And like during that time, we, we formed like a little dance crew and we'd perform on Friday nights, Saturdays, um, in different cities, ended up being like hip hop 
dancehall. Um, yeah, it's just like a, a very different life. And so from hip hop, I went to salsa. Salsa found me randomly at a bubble tea store on the way to a party one night where a guy thought that I danced salsa. And I was like, no, I'm dressed in a hip hop gear, like full hip hop. I was, uh, yeah, I was very <laughs> in, in, in with the full hip hop style. And he, yeah, he offered me, he basically went to, he was like looking for a partner. And I told him like, I don't know how to dance, but I can try. So if you need somebody to try. And so he taught me the basics of salsa, basic salsa steps. And then like two or three weeks later, he was on his way to a salsa festival and he invited me to go with, with him and his friends to the salsa festival to check it out. So I went to my first salsa festival and I was a super beginner dancer. Like, and at a salsa festival, what happens is you have dancing from Thursday till probably Sunday night, Monday, right? And it's classes and workshops in the, in the day. And then they have performances and social dancing at night. And when I say at night, I'm meaning from like nine till five, six in the morning. And then your classes are from like 10 till six. And I did that for an entire weekend of just like learning, soaking in different dance styles, different dance teachers. Um, I remember there was this dancer, uh, the first time I saw bachata and I'm like, I'm a bachatera at heart, which is a, a dance from Dominican Republic. And I saw this couple and it was Gary and Catherine. And Gary's from Singapore. I think Catherine as well too. Um, so Gary and they were dancing bachata and I just fell in love. I was like, what is this? Like they were just so in sync. It was so beautiful. I remember Iris de Bristow came for African rumba um, and she's from London. And there was just so many great dances. And I was just blown away that weekend. I was on such a high. I had my first social dance where as a salsa dancer, I was just like, I don't know. I think every new person that comes to salsa that has that first dance where it feels wrong, you're like, no, we can't do this on the dance floor. <laughs> and I had this with a French man who, um, his wife is Taiwanese and he asked me to dance and he's an amazing dancer and I'm a beginner. And then he could lead me really well and I could follow. And it was just, we, he, the whole dance just fell wrong. I walked up the dance floor and I was like, oh, that's so Oh my God, his wife is there. His wife is like watching. And his wife came up to me afterwards and she was like, wow, you're a really good dancer. Like that dance is amazing. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Like what is going on here? And then I remember speaking to like the group of people that I was with at that night. Like, and um, yeah, they were like, no, it's just a dance. It's really just a dance. You in that moment, you live it, you feel it, you, you breathe all of it. You feel the connection to your partner the music, all of that. And it's just the dance. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it's such a beautiful moment. But I remember that as my first time where I was like, oh my God, that was so wrong. That's so, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. And, that's and he's married, Ravina. What the hell? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So salsa found me. And then I've just been bitten. I've been hooked. I've been obsessed with salsa. Salsa music, bachata, then kizomba. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to clear one thing out. Throughout all of this, you traveling, dancing, DJing, and all of this. Were you super rich when you started traveling? No. It's <laughs> no. like, how? Then no. how did you do it? No, 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 no. Um, when I started traveling, I was working as a waitress. Um, I worked. Yeah, I didn't, could not make enough money for even half of a plane ticket out of my country. Um, 
Yeah. So the first time when I decided to go to Taiwan, I had no money. I was obsessed with like, this is what I'm doing. I got into this mode of this is the only way I'm going to get the the thing that I needed, which was the turntables and get out of South Africa. This was it. And I needed to figure out a way. And I did like, I, I was like mapping out like how much money would I need to save? And when, and I was like, this is going to take years. In South Africa, the currency conversion for me to get a visa and we needed, we still need like 20,000 Rand in the bank as a South African person. Like as a South African student, 20,000 Rand is a lot of money. And um, yeah, you need to prove to other countries that you have this amount of money in the bank so that you can travel. And it, and that plus a plane ticket plus the visa stuff, it was it was a lot of money that I didn't have. And there were many months where I was like trying to figure out like what can I do, what else can I do. Um, yeah, I made I made like a very brave, bold, stupid decision where I asked some family members, which I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. Why would I think like people would support you, right? Um, and it was a very uh, it was a very how can I say. A good learning experience for me as a young person to be like, yeah, no, this is your dream. You go make it happen. Don't look to people who have money and think that p- people who have money are actually going to help you because they have no interest in helping you. Like if blood or no blood, right? They have zero interest in helping you. Um, yeah. And then I just, yeah, I just got to a point and for me, I was pushing so hard. I was like, cool, I'm just going to take on extra jobs. I'm going to work extra hours. I got to a point where my mother actually just decided, like, listen, she's going to, Pravina's going to go regardless. So let's figure out a way to try and help her. And I did ask them and my parents didn't have the money at all. They they didn't do to help me, like, go travel. This is not something... Um, yeah, this is not like disposable income. Like I didn't come, I don't come from a family that had just disposable income to go send their daughter traveling, like middle-class family, just making it, you know, just my parents worked really hard to get where they were. And even me asking them for that is like, they don't have the money, Pravina, what are you doing? Um, but after a while, my mom was like, she can take a loan out to get the 20,000. Cause I had the ticket money. I had like, I had some money saved up and I just needed that 20,000. And then I went to people, I was like, can you just borrow me 20,000 to put in the bank so I can have that slip so I can just show the visa people that I have the money and I'll give the money back. Like, I don't need the money. I just need the, I need that thing to show the visa people that I have the money to leave this country. And uh, there were so many fights. So I didn't have the money. Eventually my mom took out a loan. I'm so glad she did because just that, that thing helped me go to Taiwan. So in Taiwan, it's a very interesting situation where, um, yeah, so Taiwan was was me just hustling, working a lot. I did a lot of different jobs when I was there besides like teaching. Um, yeah, just, just trying to make it in the world. And then every other time that I needed to travel, like when I was in South Africa, I was in that student boat again of no money. And um, I was the same thing. I, when I was in, when I went back to South Africa, I worked as a waiter. So I was a full-time student, worked as a waiter, a uh, few nights a week, I got a job at the gym doing Zumba and hip hop. And I was teaching that for a while. And I was choreographing. I was I was part of a dance group as well. So we performed in clubs. And it was like hip hop in clubs, by the way. Just to, just to put it out there. Um, I was doing promotions as well. So basically, if anybody needed anything, I signed up to a promotion agency to hand out flyers on the corner, cereal in 
the grocery store. Um, and then when I wanted to go to Florida, I had this opportunity to go to Florida. Same situation. I needed the ticket money. I need money in my account. I needed all of these things. And I was like, how can I make money? What is the thing that I could do? And I had already been DJing before and I didn't have any like turntables or anything. So I couldn't do that. But I was like, I've, I've set up parties. I can do this. Let's set up an event. And I found um, some people. Actually, this all became a thing because I was inspired by some girl selling, not some girl, Jane from South Africa, from Port Elizabeth, who makes amazing earrings. She is incredible. So she was on campus walking around with her. She's a law student at the time walking around with a bag of earrings that she makes these hand hand like made earrings and she was selling it to somebody else and i saw her one day and i went up to her and i was like hey i see that you have earrings and i have an obsession with earrings and so we became friends i bought earrings from her and then i was like wait if i do a showcase like a fashion showcase in a club and get like a wine sponsor alcohol sponsor i could charge people money for this and i could make my money for my ticket and that's what happened. So I got Jane and two other designers who are big designers now, which is amazing. It's really cool because they were all um, student designers back then. And now Marjorie, um, they have like a, a very well-known bridal company in South Africa. Um, yeah. So we had like this, got a club, got their mod they got friends to model their, their collection as well. Got my sister to work the door. And then that's how I made money. And it's always kind of been that way. It's like, even now, I'm planning to go to Mexico. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't, well, I know how. I'm going to fly there. But like, <laughs> um, like the, the detailing steps of like, what visa am I going to get? What am I going to do uh, work-wise? Like, how's it? Well, work-wise, we'll have to set up because it'll only be for a few months. But like, the just the logistics of it now is like, there's a lot of question marks on it. But I know I'm going. I know I'm going to Mexico. This is this is and this is how I am. When I know I'm gonna do something, when I know I'm when I have this idea, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. There's no oh, you don't have money, because I mostly don't have money. No, like the money will come. This is what people need to realize. With anything, the money will come. Just figure out what you want to do and go in that direction and the money will come. Sorry, that was like a long story to give you your answer. <laughs> no, but that's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I actually enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, so right now we're in a pandemic. Still COVID is here. I don't know what year or month it is that you guys are listening to if COVID is over right now or not. But for us, we're still in even lockdown, very strict lockdown right here. So what are you doing? Because you cannot travel right now. What is the passion project that you're keeping yourself busy with? Yes, so year two of this lockdown. Um, the beginning of the year, I started my newsletter, which is a dose of inspiration. And that became my focus. And I was like, great, I'm going to do this newsletter. It's on art and music. And I've been working on that. I also started coaching this year because I, I got qualified at the beginning of the year to coach. Um, and now I'm starting a YouTube show. Oh, nice. <laughs> what is it about? So the YouTube show is all about artists. I really, I, I had a event that I did, which is called The Creative Journey. And it maps out and showcases an artist and their journey with creativity. And this is what the, the show will be about. And I've got amazing people. I hope some of them say yes, because I haven't asked a lot of them yet, but just in my mind. And my goal with this is to show other people, other creative people, especially young people like that 
Because a lot of the artists that I showcase in my newsletter are self-taught. They didn't need to go to university. They didn't need to go and study. They've got YouTube. They've got the software. Art is all about creating every single day. Committing, showing up, creating. And I want people to realize that, right? I want people that I coach to realize that. I want artists to realize that. It's like, this is how you get better. This is how you do something. And also to remind myself that this is how you get better. You just keep doing the thing that you said that you were going to do. Is the show already out or? No. (laughs) So I just started like two weeks ago. I haven't figured out anything yet. Like nothing. I just changed my YouTube name to match, but I haven't figured out anything yet. I recorded one episode. There was also trial and error. I had to re-record it as well because there was a lot of mistakes. And even now afterwards, um, I also can see the mistakes, but this is good. This is very good because now I'm like, okay, so now I know what to do next for the next episode and I know what to make it better. So this whole year has been, I put myself in a mindset of being a beginner and testing out different things because I'm like, I dealt with COVID last year. COVID's not going to stop me from getting, COVID just gave me time. This is what it did. It gave somebody who can usually not sit still and needs to be at the airport and needs to be traveling. It gave somebody like that a whole different space to play in. We, I can't just book a trip every time I'm bored or like every time I want to go somewhere, right? I ca- and the irony is I moved to Kuala Lumpur for Air Asia's free, fl- like cheap flights, free flights, but che- cheap flights, right? I moved here because it's a perfect base in Asia. If you want to go to Vietnam, if you want to go to Taiwan, if you want to go to Bali, Laos, Cambodia, it's just like the perfect location to be. And then COVID took away all of those things. So it gave me a room with four walls to sit in and figure out what I really want to do. So this is year, this year is the year where I test out things. So I tested out coaching in the beginning of the year. I went through a phase of maybe I shouldn't be a coach. There was a whole insecurity thing coming out. Um, I just launched coaching two months ago, fully booked for June. It was an amazing session. All my, all my clients are, they've just lifted off. Same thing this month. I've just signed like five people for this next batch. And I can just see where I can see it. I'm like, from the first conversation, I'm like, you're going to be fine. We just need to get you through these these little stumbling blocks. But after that, whatever you create is going to be amazing. It's amazing. And I love that breakthrough moment where people just like click that. So I'm in this phase of let's test this out. We have an idea. Let's do it for three, four months. If you still like it at the end of that, you continue for another three, four months. If you don't like it, drop it and try something else. Yeah, so this is what I'm doing during COVID. That is very interesting. You mentioned the coaching sessions that you have and how you're already booked and everything. Tell us where they can actually find you and contact you in case they're interested. Yeah, so Instagram, unfortunately, is my <laughs> is my go-to thing. Um, I'm Prav Travels. I thought about changing the name since COVID and I'm not traveling anymore, but I can't think of another name uh, that fits. So Prop Travels, and I'll probably be that until the end of Instagram for like, yeah. Um, yeah, you can, that, I think that is the best way to concept. I'm still busy working on the website. I'm still working on other things. Uh, everything else is kind of personal, so I don't really want to give it out on a podcast. But Instagram would be the best way. Yeah. Contact me, follow me, see if you like my stuff, see if we gel. Um, I really want to work with people who, who kind of gel with me. You know, because I'm not, I'm not there to be your friend. 
as a coach i'm not yeah <laughs> and if you even like if you're a very close friend of mine you know me i'm i'm very honest and and yeah i'm very honest and like on a no bullshit attitude when it comes to myself when it comes to my friends when it comes to people doing things in their own life it's like let's stop the bullshit and get work done i'm on that so yeah come find me on instagram i do morning dances to hype everybody up <laughs> <laughs> that is true that is true what is it with those dances what is it about um the dances is actually my morning routine so i wake up and i am a five-year-old even today <laughs> like today we plan to record this podcast today i had a million things planned before that and i just did not want to get out of bed because i didn't want to i turn into a five-year-old in the morning who wants to only wake up at two o'clock i am this person i always been this person I can try and change it, but I also accept that this is who I am. So when I wake up in the morning, I go through this like, why am I alive? Who made us an adult? Who made us? Whose choice was to make us grow up? Like, <laughs> this is not. And we have to go to work. And like, and even today, I'm like, who put things on the schedule on the weekend, Pravina? Why? <laughs> Basically, yeah, I go through this whole thing and it's every morning. I'm not going to lie. Monday, it's a little bit better, but like, Tuesday when Tuesday to Sunday it's usually the same thing unless I'm traveling traveling I will wake up at four o'clock I'll be dressed ready and the happiest person on earth um so the morning dances is basically to switch my brain I've realized the way to psych myself up for the day and to get through every single thing because I pack my schedule with all my projects and everything that I'm doing right I pack the schedule the way to get me into that space is to get my brain into that club space you know like I'm having an amazing time and my life is awesome. And then I just find that one song that's going to switch gear into let's get shit done, you know. And every morning I just listen for that song. And sometimes I play a song and it could be like a slow, mellow, like very mellow, chill day. And I'm like, okay, this works. This works. I can work with this energy. This is, the, this is who I am. This is the song. But then other mornings I wake up and it's all Maluma. And recently Maluma is my, my go-to trigger if I just want to be on class. Cloud 567, because I just, I don't know. This man just makes me so happy. And he just makes me so happy. I feel bad for my roommate that I actually had to tell him, like, if I play Maluma too much and it starts to irritate you, please let me know. Because then I will stop. Because I play the same song <laughs> five or six times over in the kitchen in the morning just to be like, I enjoy it. I'm like a happy person. And yeah, he makes me happy. So yeah. All that is nice. Pervina. What is the last thing you want to leave people with? What is that one inspirational sentence that everyone has? Like that one that turns into quotation marks everywhere. Not the marks quotation. <laughs> quotes everywhere. The one for quotes everywhere. Um, I think if you have an idea, this is it. If you have an idea, go for it. Map it out. Put it into a testing phase. See if it'll, not even see if it'll work. See if you enjoy doing this thing. Go do the things that are, COVID has given us time. It has shown us that life is short. If you didn't already know that life is short, life is very short, right? We can all die tomorrow. It's this thing. And everybody has these dreams that they just like, oh, someday, oh, tomorrow. Oh, I don't know how to do this. Anybody who says, I don't know how to do this, doesn't realize that Google has all the answers. I, our blender just broke this morning and I was on YouTube watching how to fix a blender because I convinced myself that I could do this until I realized like actually the blender's broken. <laughs> <laughs> More so than what you have skills for. But everything's out there. Google, YouTube, 
everything's out there figure out how to do it you can achieve everything and what people need to also realize is once you achieve that you unlock a different state of yourself like once you achieve the thing that you're trying to get in life you will be in such a happy positive state that you can go out and help more people in the world you can go out and do bigger things like the thing about the alchemist the book the alchemist go find your mission you know find the thing and go serve the world um yeah so that's my one one very long thing that is beautiful the previous time i was waiting for you to say google at the beginning but no that was a that was a beautiful change still google was there but yes it was a beautiful change i love it <laughs> yeah some context if people don't uh because people might not know we recorded it last time and she asked me the same question and i was like google is your friend you can find anything on google that's the thing <laughs> that will be your code next time you are gonna be like pravina and then quotation mark, Google is your thing. Google knows everything. <laughs> Google knows everything. <laughs> that oh. is beautiful. Thank you so, so, so much for your time and for accepting and coming to the show. This was the first episode of If I Did, You Can Too. And we're going to say bye. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I love I love that you're starting this and I cannot wait to hear everybody else that's going to be on your show. I know this is going to be amazing. And yes, see you in five years time when this blows up and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to book a meeting with your assistant to come say hi. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm always very down to earth. Remember that. Everybody is until they become famous. I'm just saying. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Great, then. Shall we say bye? Yes. Go ahead. How do I say bye? Just, <laughs> Just say bye. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Thank bye. you for listening. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. And yeah, come back next, next week. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye.